England is often seen as a destination for history and natural beauty, but not necessarily as a hub for the arts. New Englanders are known for being hardworking, thrifty, and ingenious. And Lucas Spivey says those qualities are just as important for artists as the creative spark. Spivey travels the country, interviewing artists about how they make a living from their art. Then he publishes those interviews on his podcast, Culture Hustlers. Spivey's current show at the Boston Center for the Arts features works by living and hustling artists from around the country. Next, producer Andrea Maraskin met up with him for a tour of the exhibition, plus some insights into the hustle of creating culture here in New England. Walking into the gallery, I feel like I'm embarking on an arts road trip. In one corner, there's a map laid out on a picnic table on top of a bright green rectangle of astroturf. Videos show artists making their work. Behind each display, the shape of the state where the artwork originated is painted in bronze from floor to ceiling. I wanted you to walk up to the work and not feel like you were bigger than the pieces. And then I also wanted to momentarily transport people to a different part of the country. Lucas Spivey, a self-described BFA-MBA hybrid based out of Boston, is the curator of this show. After watching his fellow art school grads flounder trying to make a living, Spivey made it his mission to pick up know-how from successful artists and share that knowledge. To that end, posters and videos here clue viewers into the business models behind the art. Representing Illinois is a series of cheeky, cartoon-like prints by Chicago-based painter Derek Erdman. A six-panel strip entitled Unlearn How to Draw Chloe Kardashian is really speaking to me. And it starts with a pretty nice painting of Chloe Kardashian and then slowly just takes away her eyes, her hair, her every feature, then turns her into like kind of a Bigfoot-looking monster and then a scribble at the end. And how do you build a business off meme-esque art like this? Spivey explains how Erdman does it. So he posted this on Instagram and Facebook, and the idea is just be provocative. And so people enjoy that, and he'll get like 10,000 likes. But you can also buy a takeaway of that internet meme, whatever you want to call it. So you can purchase a painting of what he put out on social media. In front of the outline of Washington State, Spivey has stacked a series of tightly done, brightly colored glass mosaics. They're manufactured in the working class mountain town of Tyaton. Which is literally on a dead end road in the Cascade Mountains. And 1,200 people live there. And they have this business incubator called Mighty Tyaton. And they have trained locals to work on things like letterpress and silkscreen and mosaics and laser cutting and bookbinding. Other displays include textiles from an indigenous weaver collective in New Mexico and metalwork by a husband and wife team in Detroit. You won't find work by New England artists here. That's because for traveling exhibits like this one, Spivey makes a point of highlighting artists that aren't local. But he did interview several Boston culture makers last year, and he's turned those interviews into episodes of his Culture Hustlers podcast, which debuted in the fall. Spivey's first ever podcast guest, Aaron Robertson, is basically a poster child for the idea that Boston can be cool. I didn't even know that you could go to art school in high school. I didn't know that that was an option. In 2016, she became the first Bostonian to win Project Runway. Here's a clip from the podcast. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm staying in Boston versus going to like a more fashionable city is because there is so much technology happening in the city. 
new ways of of like just thinking about how something is made and like what it's made out of. And artists are hungry to collaborate with scientists and scientists are like also hungry to collaborate with artists. For example, Robertson has used faux fur made with a 3D printer at MIT in some of her clothes. Spivey says another advantage for artists living in Boston and New England is the high concentration of foundations and donors who fund the arts here. But he's learned there is a trade-off to the nonprofit funding model. Those private foundations and those charitable individuals in the New England area are very conservative and don't, in my opinion, fund enough experimental projects where there's not a pedigree behind it and there's not a long-standing tradition behind it. He says it's hard to remember projects that never got off the ground, but he tells me about one that had to wage a long fight to succeed. AS220, a gallery and performance space, opened in downtown Providence in the 90s in a derelict building without running water. It was an underground, uncensored place for art in different media. And there was no hierarchy to it. So people were like, well, how do you know it's going to be good? Like, there's nobody curating or jurying it or, like, saying no to this. And that was the whole point. But it was ultimately AS220's lack of boundaries that brought the organization success, according to Spivey. Today, they own multiple buildings, including 47 live-in studios, four galleries, and a black box theater. It didn't stick with one thing. It was for everybody. It was for musicians. They have a cafe now, so it's for, for chefs and food lovers. And then they were preserving buildings so architects could get behind it, too. And then on top of that, it was a service to the community in that these blighted buildings were suddenly being revitalized. Now, thriving in Providence or Boston is one thing. But can an artist hack it in a place like Connecticut's Quiet Corner or somewhere remote like Vermont's Northeast Kingdom? Spivey says that in the age of Instagram, YouTube, and three-day shipping, a resourceful creator can make and monetize art from just about anywhere. And he says that's a good thing. My dream is that if we can get those folks to stay in their community, then those communities really thrive because they're missing creative people and we're missing creative people for a long time, but that doesn't have to be uh, the way moving forward. As for rural centers for culture in New England, Spivey shouts out Mass Mocha in North Adams, Massachusetts, North Conway, New Hampshire, and, wait for it, Eastport, Maine. It's the easternmost town in the country, and it's home to an arts organization called the Tides Institute. And they're incredible. They do these events out on the streets. They have a museum. Even way out there, unique things are happening. The exhibition Culture Hustlers, Artists Minding Their Business is on view at the Mills Gallery at the Boston Center for the Arts through April 8th. If you have a question about the business of the arts, you can leave a note for Lucas Spivey there. Or leave a voicemail on the Culture Hustlers hotline. That number is 978-712-8858. You just might get your answer in the form of a podcast. That's next producer Andrea Maraskin reporting. You can find photos and a video from the Culture Hustlers exhibition on our website, nextnewengland.org. We've also got a link there to the Culture Hustlers podcast. Next is produced at WNPR by Andrea Maraskin. The executive producer is Katie Tolarski. We had production help this week from Bart Rankin, Glenn Alexander, and Rachel Geringer. Our theme music is by composer Todd Merrill. You can hear more of his music at toddmerrill.com. Thanks also to Goodnight Blue Moon for their song, New England. 
The New England News Collaborative is funded in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from Douglas Stone and Mary Schwab Stone through the Smart Family Foundation of New York and the Melville Charitable Trust. It's powered by WBUR Boston, Vermont Public Radio, New Hampshire Public Radio, Maine Public Radio, Rhode Island Public Radio, WSHU Public Radio Group, New England Public Radio, and Connecticut Public Radio. Thank <laughs> you.